0: Welcome to episode number 16 with Ben Nempton. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Yo, 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 what is up, greats? I hope you were having a fantastic day today. It was super sunny today in LA, and all day yesterday, I was on the beach playing some beach volleyball, having some good time with my friends, but I'm back on the podcast today. And I'm excited about this one because I've got a good friend of mine. His name is Ben Nepton, and he is one of the stars of the show on MTV called The Buried Life. And if you haven't seen this show, you got to go check it out so you can find some episodes online or something. It's uh, it's very inspiring. What they do is they basically find things that they want to do, put them on a bucket list, and then they go cross them off. It's pretty cool. But they also go help other people check off things on their bucket list. It's a very inspiring show, and I encourage you to check it out. Uh, before I get into uh, Ben and the show and what you're going to learn today, I want to give you a quote for the day. I want to start doing some quotes. I really like quotes. So I'm going to start sharing these, hopefully, each and every week, each and every episode. The quote for today, I've got this on my wall right now, it is, be yourself, everyone else is already taken, and that's by Oscar Wilde, and I like that one because sometimes we can forget about the path we're on and the journey we're on, we kind of get sidetracked, maybe we've got too many shiny objects or too many opportunities coming our way, but really, You got to stay focused and you got to be true to who you are and do what you feel is right. So be yourself because everyone else is already taken. That's my quote for the day. Hope you like that one. Here's what you're going to learn in this episode with Ben. Now, I've known Ben for a a couple of years uh, from an event called Summit Series, actually. We met each other. And I wanted to get him on here because every time we talk and hang out, he's super inspiring. He's always got something that he and his crew, his Buried Life crew, are chasing or going after or are on a journey to achieve and to learn and grow. And I really like that. So in this episode, you're going to learn some great things about how to accomplish your own dreams and how to accomplish your own goals. And he's got a six-step formula for accomplishing any dream. Now, this formula is pretty cool, and I believe in it myself. So you're going to want to make sure you take notes during this six step formula he 's also going to share his journey about how he went from just a young kid from Canada uh, and he and a few of his friends basically had this idea to create a show and now they are they're on MTV and they're doing even more shows now so they 've got some great stories and uh, some great experience he's got to share with you on this episode i'm excited for you to learn it I want to go really quickly into the review of the week before we get into my interview with Ben and this week's uh, review. We got a bunch of awesome reviews. I appreciate you guys leaving your five star reviews over on iTunes. But this one was from Jeff Thornton, and Jeff's title said "A True House Two for Greatness." You like how he used my name, House Two? Get it? Uh, he said this is just another success to add to Lewis's already fantastic portfolio. This podcast delivers high-quality content that stimulates your mind and motivates you to continue to follow your passion. I started this podcast and finished all the episodes in two days. Truly amazing lineup and fantastic material. And uh, Jeff goes on for a little bit, but I appreciate you, Jeff, and you are the review of the week, so thanks so much. Uh, And with that, guys, I appreciate all your reviews and comments. I'm getting you uh, a lot of uh, listeners sending me instagram photos of where you're listening to the podcast someone was at newport beach the other day posted an instagram picture saying how inspired they were on the beach listening to this uh so thanks again if you want to post a picture on instagram and tag me at Lewis House of where you are listening to the podcast i'll give you a quick shout out next time and with that guys let's get into the episode with ben Neptune. What's up, everyone? I am uh, back again with a, a friend of mine and a special guest. His name is Ben Neptune. What's up, brother? How you doing, Ben?
1: I'm good, man. How are you?
0: I'm doing excellent. We were just chatting about some of the cool things you're doing right now with uh, your production company and uh, selling some new shows. And I want to get into that in a second. But what you're most known for, I guess, in kind of pop culture is the show you did, which is The Buried Life. And for people that don't know what the buried life is. It's a really cool show that was, I guess I had, what did it have? Two seasons on MTV. Yeah. Two seasons on MTV. And it's basically uh, a bucket list with Ben and his three of his buddies where they go around and try to uh, cross things off the list, like uh, make a television show. I think you had be on Oprah, play basketball with the president. Uh, a lot of other cool things. I think become a number one New York Times Bestseller was one, which you've achieved a lot of these different things and uh, it's an extremely inspiring show. It's actually a show that I wouldn't think would be on MTV, but I think you guys pull it off amazingly. So, congrats on that. Thank you, man. And what was the? I guess it was back in. Was it back in 2006 when you had the idea for the show?
1: Yeah, in West Philadelphia.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, uh, so tell me. So, tell me how it came about.
1: So, uh, we grew up in Victoria, BC up in Canada. Um, uh, you know, all four of us went to similar high schools, uh, in the community. So Victoria's pretty small. We kind of all knew each other. Um, so it's Duncan and Johnny who are brothers and Dave who, uh, is Johnny's best friend. So, um, I was going to college and at the time, and yeah, I actually, it was actually a, a friend of mine who started a clothing line out of uh, high school, sort of with no, um, experience in fashion no uh no money from his parents no connections right took out a loan and started this clothing line and i i was just kind of it was such a cool line I, and i was just like dude how'd you you know like how'd you do this and he just sort of said well you know i just i just did it and um <laughs> i was like gravitating towards people that were doing really cool things and so i just sort of thought like fuck i want to do something like that you know i want to make something cool that my friends will respect and that you know i could I could I could really have a lot of fun doing and um and I saw some videos that that Johnny had been posting on Facebook of him and his friends partying at uh, McGill University and he had made these like these videos that were just the most sort of inspirational party videos you've ever seen they were just made you want to go out and get drunk with your friends so <laughs> I, you know I I called him I was like Johnny let's make a movie this summer and um he was like I just got back from Cuba with Dave and and um, we were talking about making something, and, and serendipitously, Duncan, Johnny's older brother, had come up to me in the bar in Victoria and been like, let's, let's do something. And so we all got on Skype, actually, um, because it was the only thing that we could afford. We started having these calls <laughs> about making a movie. We didn't know what we wanted to make a movie about, but we decided that we wanted to make, um, you know, something – and we kind of kept on coming down these de- to these dead ends cre- creatively about what, what kind of documentary we wanted to make. And finally we got frustrated and we're, we said, okay, let's just make a list of everything we would want to make a documentary about. Like mm. what do we want to make a movie about? Let's not think about what we should make it about. Like if we could make a movie about anything, what would it be? Right. And so we all went our separate ways for a week and made this list of things we would want to make a movie about. And then we came back around the circle, so to speak, and went around and everyone said their are things they wanted to make a movie about. And we just liked so many of the things that people listed off. Someone said, well, why don't we just do all these? And so that's kind of where the list was born. And uh, at that same time, Johnny was at McGill and he was in English class and he got assigned this poem um, in English, you know, 100 called The Buried Life.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it was this poem by Matthew Arnold written in 1850s. And there's this English poet who was like in his 50s and, and this, there's four lines in this poem that really spoke to Johnny um, and kind of resonated with him, and, and he brought them back to us. And those the lines were, "But often in the world's most crowded streets, but often in the din of strife, there rises an unspeakable desire after the knowledge of our buried life." Mm. And uh, he was like, "Guys, this is like what we're talking about. This feeling of unrest and this feeling of like we want to do something, but we don't know what it is. You know, it's like we have all these things we want to do, but we get." You know, kind of buried by life, and uh, but you have these moments when you know what it is, and then it just gets buried, and then you have another moment of inspiration, and then it gets buried, and you end up like never doing the things you really want to do. Right. And so we said, we said, and said like, okay, well, let's take this name. Like we don't even know what the 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 movie is or the project, but let's just call it the Buried Life. Interesting. Um, and from then, from there, we we took sort of the next step, which was. Um, we decided that we were going to base it around this question, what do you want to do before you die? And we were going to ask people, you know, as we traveled, what do you want to do before you die? And, and, and base the documentary around that and, and talking about why they had or had not done the things they wanted to do in their life. And, and by, by doing that, maybe we could find direction of what we wanted to do with our life because mm. uh, we didn't really know. And, and we also, Had this idea that we would make our own list, and on the side we would do our list. But we never thought our list would be in the documentary. We always thought that would be a little too self-serving. Like (laughs) we would we would ask people and we would profile them, but we would do our list on the side and and that would be something different. But um, so we didn't have any money. Uh, You know, our parents didn't fund us.
0: How old are you guys now?
1: Now I'm 29.
0: I mean, how how many? How old are you guys at the time? I mean.
1: Uh, twenty-two. Okay. seven years ago.
0: Gotcha. No so, money. You're broke, and you got these ideas.
1: Yeah, so we're broke. We're like, we want to make a movie. So, but
0: no one's ever made a movie.
1: No, <laughs> I didn't even know how to use a camera. I right. was studying physiology.
0: <laughs> right. Which no
1: one even knows what that is.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um, and Johnny and Duncan had grown up like making you know, skateboard movies, snowboard movies. They made like weird wizard movies when they were kids. Like they had played around with cameras and editing, but no one had gone to school for it. So Duggan and Johnny sort of went up to the All Rigs and um, made uh, some money so we could build a website and buy a camera. And then I would just call production com- – no, I would call companies in the phone book pretending to be a production company, get through to the CEO, sell them on the movie we were making, sell them on the idea that they should get involved and like this local juice company ended up giving us enough money to pay for our gas wow. and like, that was all we needed. We board an RV, we made two, four matching t-shirts with the buried life on it and this like logo with the shovel and we, we took <laughs> off and we were like okay, we're going to go after this list and you know, we're going to – we're going to talk with people. We're going to ask them what they want to do before they die, and if we can help them do the thing that they want to do, then that's then that's what we're going to do.
0: Right. Amazing.
1: Yeah. So it's so we set out as you know just a couple f- friends basically going on a road trip for two weeks to make a documentary, and the first day we did it, we ended up getting on the front page of the newspaper in our local town. Wow. And, uh, then that sort of ended up getting some media buzz and then it was provincial news, you know, which is the equivalent of state news. And then it was <laughs> national news. And, and then we had all of a sudden, all, you know, we had our list post online. This is back in 2007, right? So this right. is, oh, sorry, this is 2006. YouTube was sort of just getting going. Right. You know? uh, I remember we started Twitter in 2007, but we did make a simple website and um, we post our list. And so, we th- we noticed our our uh, in, in our inbox was started to f- was like starting to fill up. Mm. People were starting to email us being like, "Hey, I saw your list online. Like, you want to ride a bull? My uncle has a bull. Like, he can Shut help. up. Yeah, or like, you guys want to make a toast at a stranger's wedding? We got invited to twelve weddings in two weeks to make toast.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, um, and then people sending us like emails saying, "My." My, my my friend wants to do, do a duet with Michael Buble, like, can you help him? Or I want to fly an F-18 fighter jet, please help me. And, wow. you know, sending us their dreams. And what we realized sort of is people were really starting to get inspired by the idea of four guys going after their dreams, you know, their dream list. Um, right. Which we didn't really expect because we thought in the beginning we weren't really going to be uh, us doing our list wasn't really going to be part of it, but they just wanted us to finish. You know, they just wanted us to do the things on our list. And they would. I remember one one list item was lead a parade, and we crashed this parade in Penticton, which is like a small town in BC. And we just drove our RV, like made it into a float, and, <laughs> and and we were we were we were going through the parade, and people in the in the crowd were yelling at us, saying, you know, nice one, crossing off number twelve. Like up! You're you know, crossing off, and so that was kind of a cool thing because we were like, wow, people are really rooting for us. So we, um, so yeah, we, we kind of were able to, and we, when we were crossing off things, we didn't think we could cross off, you know, we like opened the six o'clock news at a major news station, you mm. know, um, we played basketball with
0: Obama. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Playing basketball with Obama.
1: Yeah. I mean that, yeah. And then it, I mean, ultimately it sort of built to that. So right, right. I mean, I mean, we, so we finished that two week tour, a, a producer saw us on the news, He emailed us and said, "If you guys ever thought about making a TV show, and Mm. one of the things on the list was to make a TV show, we ended up getting offered a show in Canada, but we turned it down because they wanted to own the 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 buried life, basically. So we just, you know, we didn't care too much to do that much to do TV. So we just decided to keep doing it ourselves. We went back to school, but we raised more money the next year and got bought a bus, got a crew from LA, and filmed more the next summer for two months, still going for the documentary." And then had this epiphany, like, we were making this to inspire our friends, right? And we kind of had this epiphany that was, you know, if we make this documentary, none of our friends are going to watch it. (laughs) You know, maybe it gets into a film festival, but it's not going to have the effect we want. Like, if we want this to be seen, like, we got to make TV. Mm. So we decided to make our own pilot and start coming down to L.A. to hustle it down here. And so that's what we did. And... Mm -hmm. You know, we made our way to the right production company that could get us there, and slowly but surely, kind of clawed our way there. Um,
0: so, when did your fir- when did the first episode air on MTV of The Buried Life?
1: It was um, 2010. I think so, early 2010.
0: So 2006, you have this idea. Well, your friend has a fashion line, and you're like inspired by this idea that he's creating something cool, and you like it. You and three buddies get together and say, let's create something cool, like a documentary that's going to inspire friends. It turns into a TV show, and f- four years later, you're on MTV. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> That's pretty amazing, dude.
1: It is, when you, th- when you think about it like that. I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, four years is a long time. There's a lot of ups and downs. Right. And,
0: um, and you probably thought it was too long. We also you-
1: didn't start it to make a TV show.
0: Right. right. Which I think
1: it's important. You know, like, we didn't, we didn't design Buried Life as a pitch.
0: Right. Um it wasn't until year 2 when you were like okay let's make this a show but you really had no experience you know 4 years prior to the show coming out with raising money with being on camera maybe you guys had done like some goofy videos before but not actually being on camera and all the different facets of what you need to do to produce a great show you just kind of learned it along the way right Yeah yeah. Now, now, whatever did you guys ever come close to like creating some type of documentary type, like a sixty to ninety minute documentary, or did you guys just never even get there?
1: No, we haven't got there. I'm, we still want to, and it's still one of our uh, goals, you know. And we still mm-hmm. film everything, but I, the story—I don't think the story is quite finished.
0: Okay, keeping. So. Oh, you mean your story? Yeah. In general, because you haven't crossed everything off your list.
1: We have not cross, and there's some major things we want to cross off our list, like go to space that we haven't done um, and make a movie, you know, like a feature film, which I think would be really cool to show in the documentary. Um, But uh, it's, it's, it's all, we have, you know, all the footage is there. Right. And um, so it's definitely something that we want to do.
0: Now what, how many, were there a hundred things on the list or were there more than a hundred?
1: There was always a hundred. But we it's not a static list it's dynamic I mean we we add stuff to it all the time we take stuff off I mean as you grow your priorities change and sure you know we see something like oh that would be really cool to do let's let's try and do that and and we and we add something so we've done about like technically I think we've done about 79 or 80 of the list that as it stands right now I mean the list's on our Facebook page um but we've also done a lot more that we've taken
0: off Okay, you've done a lot more than you've taken out. Why why don't you keep it on there if you've already done it? Why wouldn't you just leave it on there?
1: Uh, it's a good question. I mean, we we talked about that. Um, it's just it,
0: you're not we, proud of it or something, we, or
1: well, we, no, because we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to tell anyone. No, <laughs> we we like having the list at one hundred. Right. There's big things on there that we still want to do that we don't want to take off to put on other things that we have already done. Mm-hmm. But eventually, I think the list. The cap will come off 100, and we'll uh, and we'll just have a just a a sort of a longer sprawling list of the things that have been done. Um, right. But we just haven't really gotten there yet.
0: Gotcha. Now, but you're pretty close. You're like 80 percent done, which is pretty amazing. And you're only 29. Is that right? Yeah, 29. You've completed 80 of the 100 things you wanted to do before you die. You've got probably many years left on your life. But you know, for a lot of people. Um, they probably don't cross off, you know, 10 things on their, on their list by the time they're 50 and it's because they have a buried life. Now, why do you think, what are some of the causes for people to have a buried life? Do you think, and just never really get around to doing what they want to do?
1: Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things and, you know, it obviously varies. Um, from person to person. I definitely don't claim to be an expert in, in this sort of area. But I mean, from what I have found just from the people that we've met and, and my own experience really just with doing these things is, um, you know, I think people are stopped by the usual suspects like mm. money, um, t- you know, kind of time and that, that idea that you get in your head like, I don't I don't have time to do that. I've have, I've have to work, you know, or I have to study, or that's gonna that's gonna take up too much of 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 my time. But I think a lot of the time too, it's it's also fear, you know. People really they don't do it because they don't think mm. they can, or they think they're gonna fail. Um, when we made the list, we decided to, to to add things to the list. In a, we said, okay, if anything was possible, what could we do? Let's not even think about how we could actually do these these things, or or even if we ever could. Like let's just pretend for a second, that we can do anything.
0: That anything was possible, right?
1: Yeah, anything. Like, get on the cover of Rolling Stone. Mm. Play basketball with the President of the United States. Make our own movie. Like, just what would we want to do if we could do absolutely anything? Walk on the moon. Like, the craziest shit you can think of. Right. And that was a really important step for us because that was the first time we just pretended that we could do anything. And once you go down that road, you realize that you really can. I mean, I think people limit themselves just from the get-go because they don't think they can, but they don't know their potential until they try. And once you try and you, you end up actually, even if you don't know how you're going to do it, even if you start the first step, once you do the first step, you, 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 can, you can figure out what the second step is and, and then the third step. Like people see these their dreams as these huge Everest goals. I mean, that's why everyone talks about like Everest, you know, the climate. <laughs> right. it's not, that's not what it's about. You know, it's like for us, play basketball with Obama—huge dream. How the fuck are we gonna do that? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I guess I'm gonna start by asking all my friends if they have any connections to the White House. Who has uncle? Who knows a guy? Who knows a guy (laughs) who's a senator? That's, and the only way you do that is by talking about it. Right. And by talking about it, you put it out there, and, and people step up to help you. So, like, we don't do this stuff on our own. We do it with the help of other people. So, you know, I think that people stop they just sell themselves short right away without even trying. Um right. And, right. And, and, you realize, and, and, and it's funny, like people are afraid of failure or I don't think I can do it, or but failure is always just one step in the right direction. Yep.
0: Now here's a here's an interesting question for you. What do you think people are more afraid of? The the fear of failure or failing at something that they want to like put their big dreams and goals out there. Uh, and having being ridiculed or people say, I told you so, or whatever it may be, or reaching their actual big goal and what that'll do uh, once they reach it.
1: I think, I mean, I think it's the fear of, of failure, but not so much the, the fear of getting ridiculed as much. I right. think it's more the fear that they will lose confidence in themselves, mm. you know, that they will begin to doubt themselves in other areas of their life, Right. you know, um, if I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't do this. I'll never amount to that. Right. Um, where if they stay in the things that they know they can do, then they're successful. You know, I have a decent right. job. I'm pretty good at it. I get some sort of validation out of it. My boss tells me good things, you know, and that's safer, you know, but right. when you step out of your comfort zone, it's, it's also scary, you know, like. For instance, try to take the example of you're living in um, Alabama and you want to move to LA to be an actress. You've mm-hmm. always wanted to be an actress. You've known since you were a kid that you, you had dreamed of doing that. Um, but everyone's telling you you can't you can't just pick up and move to LA. You can't just do that. You don't have a job down there. You don't have a car. Everybody's trying to make in LA. What makes you special? And right. you start to believe that instead right. of just like going from this place of you know like like when you were a kid where none of that mattered it just was this is what you dreamt to do and as you get older people start telling you you can't and you start to listen to them and and you start to believe that and by actually doing it and then you know not succeeding you really believe that and that's like even that's that's pretty scary so i think that is what holds people
0: back. Right. I think the power of belief in yourself is a, is a huge factor in where we, where we go in life and our career and things like that. And I think for you guys, it sounds like to me, one of the key factors was putting it out there first. Like here's the things on our bucket list in the news and on Facebook and wherever on your blog. And then people actually emailing you and say, Hey, my uncle's got a bull that you can ride on. That's not going to kill you. And then you actually go right on the bull. I don't know if you wrote on it or someone else did. Yeah. Yeah. You wrote on it.
1: Uh, no, no
0: chance. No. It did. <laughs> right. But you guys, you guys go and ride on the bull, and it's like, okay, we got a small win. I mean, that's a big goal, probably, for, you know, 99.9% yeah. of the people in the world never ride on a bull. So that's a big thing, but it's not like playing with the president. So it's like a big step, but it's also like telling yourself that you can do these things by putting it out there. People are going to support you. And, uh, you know, you're just going to keep going forward to achieving the things you want until you cross them all off, I guess. But if you don't actually put it out there, then it's never going to happen.
1: Exactly. A lot of people don't put it out there because of that you know they 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 these like these huge dreams become these big things in their mind. And um, but the thing is, when you talk about them and like mm. you talk about them with passion, which is usually how you talk about the things that you really want to do, right. um, that excites people you know people want to just they feed off that energy and they want to get involved you know I mean for us we didn't know what we were doing in the beginning but we just fucking talked about it a lot and right. told everyone and, and and you know our first manager was my godmother our first lawyer was Dave's dad's friend you know? <laughs> like we we just people stepped up to help and right. you don't you never know who knows someone who knows someone but if you keep it hidden no one will, will be able to help you. And it's definitely been one of the keys to our success is, right. is like A, putting it, and whether that's putting it out online, you know, like we made a list on, on made a website or just talking about it where, wherever we went or strategically reaching out to people. You know, I think that sharing what it is you really want to do is, is, is extremely important. It, it, and even before that is, is the power of writing it down.
0: Mm. Yes,
1: It seems like a simple thing, but it really, it is the first tangible step. Like there is a difference between the thought and something that's real on paper. I mean, it's just, it it seems kind of airy-fairy, but it's not. I mean, we had this, we kind of see it as the difference between a dream and a project, you know? Right. Dreams have a funny way of staying dreams. But if you think of your dreams as projects, it's like I said before, you can think of the tangible steps to getting them done. Right. you just chip away at it just like any other project and it's on your list. And just like do your homework and get toilet paper is on your list <laughs> do it because it's on your list. And, you know, you find a way to get it done and you will find right. a way to go to Paris with someone you love. Like that's just
0: – right.
1: if you look at it like that, you, you'll figure it out and you can look at it and you can share it. And you kind of approach it the same way you do your daily tasks.
0: Right. I think it's interesting you say that, but writing it down makes the dream more real and makes it more attainable because then you you make a project base and you kind of reverse engineer how you have to get there. And this is something I started doing back in high school and college. I started framing my dreams and putting a date on when I wanted to have the goal or the dream accomplished. And I remember specifically, and I want to I talk about, I want to lead into the next thing, which is... Um, your sports background, but I remember specifically when I moved to New York City a couple of years ago I said I want to be on the USA national team for a sport called team handball in less than a year And I, and I never played the sport before and I made the team within nine months Because I reverse engineered exactly what I thought I needed to do in order to get there But it was this huge dream I had in my head of like playing for the national team and for an olympic sport and trying to make the Olympics in four years and uh, I saw that you and for me, framing my goals helps me because it makes me feel like it's, it's real and I can take steps into achieving it. Uh, and I want to ask you, because I didn't know this about you, I'm, I'm checking out your Wikipedia page right now, that you were actually uh, selected on the Canadian national rugby team. Is that right?
1: Uh, yes, when I was, yes, younger, 19.
0: Is this like the 19 and under rugby team or like the... Uh yeah, the U19. Gotcha. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I didn't know you were that good of an athlete. We'd have to play some basketball or something sometime. Um, <laughs> now, do you think having this background with sports and being completely completely competitive at a high level at a young age, do you think that's helped you in going after these bigger dreams? And do you think if you didn't have that background, you'd be as confident in kind of tackling your, your bucket list?
1: Um, that's a good question. I think – I think parts of it served me and I think parts of it didn't. Um, mm. you know, I think that that kind of that determination, you know, that kind of like bullnosed attitude, um, the teamwork camaraderie and and, and just like the, the diligence and, and hard work that it takes to compete at a high level, all those attributes that you have to have to, to, to do that definitely helped me. I was also like captain, you know, of a, of a few teams. And, and I think that more than anything, definitely the social, I think that sort of, um, those skills that you learn being a captain. And it's like what I like, I kind of say the same thing in in university. I I think probably the most important thing you learn in university are social skills, you know, and, uh, and different, uh, ways to get stuff done, hit deadlines and stuff like that. So I think I definitely learned a lot from that when I was competing at a high level, like I would, I, I apply myself so much to the things that I do just because that's the kind of person I am that, um, I would overwork myself. And, and I remember first year of college, I just, I it was right when the national team was getting going, you know, I was like on an academic scholarship as well. And I just, I put so much pressure on myself that I just totally burnt out and had to drop out of school. Right. Um, and you know, I didn't, know about balance and I didn't know, I didn't, I just overdid it. And so I learned a lot from that and, and learned about what was important and priorities in, in, in my life and what I needed to stay healthy. And so I think that it kind of goes, for me, it went both ways.
0: Right. Now I got a couple questions left. I know you got to run to another meeting, but on a post you did on for our work dot com yeah. Tim's Tim's site, you have, it's almost got 500 comments on this post and you talk about your six steps to crossing anything off your bucket list or achieving your dreams. And you've talked about a few of them. You said, uh, you know, stop thinking about it and, and start writing it down. Uh, and then you say, start talking yeah. about it and start sharing it with people, whether that be your friends or online or however it may be. Uh, you talk about being persistent, how you guys just went after it for, you know, three, four years and just kept going. You, you, Got your friends, parents to to help out, and did everything you could to figure things out. Now, number five and six, you have uh, be ballsy and help others. And I think that was one of the key elements in your whole journey was always to help others achieve you know their bucket list, and you weren't even t- thinking about yours uh, originally, but it was helping others achieve theirs. What do you think? You know, the most important part, or is it all part of a whole six step system for you?
1: I think. People that are your age and my age, um, they sort of, for the most part, understand this. And, and that's why we don't talk about it too much um, because people kind of just get it, just the importance of, you know, helping out um, other people. And right. for us, what we've experienced is it's it's just, it's been, and it's, you know, it sounds cliche, but the moments when we've been able to kind of dive into other people's lives and, and share something really meaningful with them, um, because that's really what, a lot of this stuff is is like when you have something that you really want to do and, and you end up doing it, it's kind of like this cool special moment. And so when we are able to help people do that, we get to be a part of that. Um, and, you know, it's it's just kind of it's more gratifying to see other people experience that and to you be there and to meet someone that you you know at first was not a part of your life and now you you've shared this moment with them and now you're very much a part of their life. It's just very cool and gratifying and so that's that's been the most memorable portion of the project is being able to to do that with other people and you know we stay in touch with all these these people and seeing what they're up to these days and the first guy we ever helped I mentioned before with this guy named Brent Uh, we bought him a truck because he had this business that was about to go under and he pulled himself out of a homeless shelter so we like got him a truck for 480 bucks and um you know we're like still friends with him so wow um and then I think, yeah, the last one that we didn't touch on, I guess, and I think actually this is, if you, if we had a secret sauce, like this would kind of be it. <laughs> um, it's be be ballsy or just be audacious, mm. um, because like when I told you before, we we pretended anything was possible when we made the list. Like if we wouldn't have done that, I don't think we would have been where we are
0: today. Right. Definitely um, not. Definitely not.
1: If we. Thought about playing basketball with Obama before we decided to do it, we would have been like, oh this is way too hard." Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's like that moment when you're with your friends and it's late at night and you've been drinking or something, and you come up with an idea, and you everyone's stoked on it, and everyone's, "Yeah, we should totally do that." <laughs> Next morning, you wake up and you're like, "Whoa." <laughs> so, but the thing about being audacious is that, and and this is straight from, um, Ferris is. Uh, that the majority of people, 99% of people believe they can't do great things, as I said before, um, for whatever reason. They don't believe they can, if they can reach their, their big dreams. Because, um, so they aim for mediocrity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so here's this huge group of people in the world um, that, are, that, are, that are aiming for mediocrity, mediocrity, which means the level of competition is highest for realistic goals. So statistically, right. you have a better chance of ch- achieving unrealistic goals
0: because not as many people are trying to get it. Not as
1: too many people are going after it. Right. So you think that it's harder to do these outrageous things, but really it's easier because no one's trying to do it. So it's like not only do you have no competition, but when you <laughs> when you're going after it, people are like, "Oh, crap, that's cool." That's like, ballsy. <laughs> I want to. I respect you just for trying that. That's what happened with us when we decided to make a TV show and we were like we're not gonna make this like the list item wasn't being a TV show it was make a TV show like we had to be executive producers we had to hire our own crew we had to choose the music we had to do the editing like we did everything and our, our first TV show offer didn't represent that you know and write a New York Times bestseller like we're not authors Dave failed English in grade 10 like he sent right. a <laughs> copy of our number one New York Times best-selling book to his English teacher <laughs> in grade 10. And was like, "Hey, hope you enjoy the read." <laughs> uh, and okay. so, you know, and and the and the and the cool thing about that is, you just surprise yourself with what you can accomplish, right? And that's that's what we found. And and doing so, uh, you know, it fuels you. You mm. get this taste of success. You know, it's. It's contagious, you know. Once right. you do something or or start to feel the accomplishment of of doing something really, really cool, really, really great, it just makes you want to do more, and you right. feel like you can do anything. And that's the secret, like that we've learned, is that you can do anything, anything you want, and that's hilarious.
0: It's amazing, yeah. <laughs> because
1: anyone can do anything, and like when we think about the things that we're doing, you know, like the shows we want to make, the movies we want to make, going to space, whatever, it's like. It, we know that we can do anything. Right. We just have to decide on what it is.
0: I think it's inspiring. Man. And that
1: goes for anybody. We're not special. We're not better than anyone. We're just, you know, four kids from a small island. From in Canada.
0: Canada. Yeah. What's up with all the Canadians taking over the world, coming to Hollywood and just dominating you and Bieber, man. Just me and Bieber. Man. <laughs> um, well, I got a couple questions left for you. So what do you want to be remembered for then, Ben?
1: I guess I wanna be remembered for I just I kinda of would love to be seen as kind of a, a blueprint for inspiration for others that that wanna create and be, you know, do big things. Mm. And, and and I just wanna by doing and the only the only way to do that is just to continue to do really, really big things. I mean, we had this, we, we, we had this idea when we started Barry Life that what, what we wanted to do with, with the project was, it's like, you know, when you, when you, when you miss a really good party yeah, and all your friends are talking about it, and and you're,
0: you're bummed, like,
1: damn, like I should have gone out. <laughs> we want to create that same feeling for life. Mm. Like if you're cool. not living the way you want, we want to give you that feeling, like, ah, oh, shit, like I should be doing that. Right. Um, which is why we don't ever tell people what to do, and why we, our whole brand is the question. It's What do you want to do before you die? It's asking people. It's not telling people. And so, we just want, like, I would just like love to represent that throughout my life and ha- and accomplish really, really big things, and be able to like have a New York Times bestseller, have an Emmy, you know, go after an Oscar, and just continue to, to push the envelope because you can
0: so you're not you're, it's not telling people what to do but it's more you living the life that you want to live and through that inspiring people to live the life their best version of themselves as well
1: yeah and exactly. hopefully giving them the tools to do it as well because right. it's like in the in our book what do you want to do before you die or in the the blog um, we wrote for Ferris we talk about things that we've learned that have that have helped us sort right. of get
0: to where we are now. What's the biggest? What's what's the most inspiring moment uh, that you've had so far? The biggest thing that you've crossed off that you actually thought would be the hardest thing to do, and then and then what is the one thing over everything else you want to do that you haven't done yet?
1: I think the biggest the biggest moment was probably uh, probably being on Oprah mm. because. We got to invite our moms and Uh I don't think they really took the whole thing seriously until that happened. (laughs) The hardest thing was probably make a TV show because Mm. it took us, you know, three or four years to, to make it happen. And, And when, in the first two seasons, we just put our, in all of our blood, sweat and tears into that thing. Like we did not sleep for a year and a half. Right. Didn't have any socialize, and and we just were like wanted it to be perfect, you know. Um, and so, and it was a great learning experience. And so, you know, I think that was the hardest thing. Also, battling with network executives and MTV, and just trying to make it sort of true to our vision. Right. And the thing that we're working on now is make a make a make a feature length movie. So mm. we're writing a script for a film. That, Very cool. Uh, that we, want to, that we want to get out there.
0: So, Very
1: cool. I, I, I would actually also say the thing that I didn't think we were going to do that we did was crash the Playboy Mansion.
0: <laughs> you mean not be on the list but actually just go and get in?
1: I didn't think we would ever get in. We filmed that as our first episode. MTV was like, you guys are going to have to clear a, a Playboy. So we're going to have to call ahead. And we said, no way. We're doing this legit. We're going to sneak in and we're going to get permission later. And wow. it was basically like this was our first episode. They were putting um, all their faith in us. But if we couldn't do it, like we were screwed. So Johnny and Dave had this idea of dress like it was a it was a Candyland theme party, like a <laughs> theme party. They had an idea of dressing up like Oompa Loompas, <laughs> hiding in the bottom of a giant prop cake that we would dress up like the party, oh delivering that gosh. prop cake to the back door of the Playboy Mansion at five in the afternoon. And waiting in the cake for six hours. Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: Peeing in bottles. <laughs> like, just wow. night vision cameras. And we delivered it to the back door with, like, paperwork that we had made that was fake. They rolled it up the back driveway of Hugh Hefner's house. They had no idea where they were. There was, like, Shawshank Redemption in there. And <laughs> they just waited and popped out around midnight and got into the party. And they... Thought they had to get, sort of do their thing and get out quick, but security thought they were working the party because they were just dressed up like Oompa Loompa so they could do whatever they wanted. Oh my god! Like up on stage with Stoop Dog, they did like <laughs> they did cannonballs into the grotto. Everyone was screaming Oompa Oompa, <laughs> <laughs> and then we got out. And Playboy had no idea that we were in there cut oh our episode. And MTV was not. They said, "You guys don't need permission." If they sue us, it's it's just good press. Oh and one lawyer gosh. said, You guys need permission. And so we had to go and Playboy said, No way. And we were totally screwed. And we were not able to air the episode until and so we said we could we just we like, no way we're giving up on this. This is the best thing that's ever happened to us. We are going to write a handwritten letter to Hugh Hefner with the D V D of the first episode. We were we, we sent him the letter and the D V D and we heard back two weeks later and he said you guys can air the episode. Just know I'm not we're not very happy with you boys.
0: <laughs> so he gave me a slap on the wrist, but said, "Go for it."
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And getting scolded by Hugh Hefner is way better than even Crash the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Anyways, it, was really, it that I, I just thought I just I remember they told me that plan. I was like, "This is <laughs> never going <work>, you know?
0: <laughs> to work,
1: So, anyways.
0: That's an amazing yeah. story. Okay, so that's great I want to leave it with one final question it's what I ask everyone and that is what is your definition of greatness
1: uh, just being yourself like just staying true to yourself
0: being um, yourself simple you can leave it at that What? Uh, where can people find you online you guys got a million and a half Facebook fans but where can people find you personally online to connect with you
1: uh, just my name at Ben Nempton on Twitter that's probably the best store uh, Ben Nempton on on Facebook
0: awesome I appreciate it man Uh, This is going to be amazing And uh, thanks so much For coming on And there you have it guys I hope you enjoyed This inspiring episode With Ben Neptun He's truly an awesome guy And make sure to reach out To him online And say hello To all the Buried Life guys Online as well On their Facebook page And on Twitter And theburiedlife.com Check out their book very inspiring uh, which is going to help you hopefully write some things for your bucket list and what I want you guys to do is head over to schoolofgreatness.com right now because we've got all the show notes over there a bunch of links back to Ben's site some cool videos from the Buried Life and also I want you guys to leave a comment at the end of the show notes on the Buried Life show notes with one what is your biggest dream that you would like to accomplish and two What's the biggest challenge you're currently having in trying to accomplish that? So again, thanks, guys, and make sure to head over to schoolofgreatness.com to leave your comments and suggestions. And remember to go out there and do something great.